Hello, my name is Peter. I'm 75 years old, and I have a few things I want to say to people that I think might help you answer some of the big questions. Who are you? Where do you come from? What is life all about? Why do we exist? These are the big questions. I have to admit they weren't on my mind when I was 20 years old. I was in my, going to my third year of college, and these weren't the questions that were in front of my mind. But I'll tell you what I did then and what has shaped me into thinking I can help you think about some of these big questions. When I was 20, I decided I wanted to see the world, but I had to make money. I was still in college. And I decided I would try to get a job on a, fr on a boat shipping out to uh, Europe and see the world as it made different stops. That was my original idea. I found out that things don't work out exactly as you plan. I first had to join the Merch Marine. To get into the Merch Marine, I had to be interviewed by the FBI, who actually sent other FBI agents to interview my neighbors, because they were very afraid that if you traveled around the world, you could bring bad stuff back into the United States. So they want to know who you are. Anyway, I went through the process and I became a Merch Marine and I was able to get into the union. But then I found out things were still very difficult because there were a lot of guys looking for very few jobs on the, on the ships at that time. So I spent weeks going into Lower Manhattan, 14th Street, where the union hall was, trying to get on one of the ships. And I had no luck. And I even brought in once in a while my suitcase trying to get what they call a pierhead. Pierhead was the ship's going to leave within uh, a couple hours or an hour, and you had to go right to the ship and sign articles and get onto the ship. So I went in. One day I didn't bring my suitcase. I was feeling a little depressed. I thought this was going to be a big waste of time for the whole summer. And I threw in my card. Luck would have it, nobody wanted the job. It was on a C-3 freighter, about two football fields long, and a little house on the back of the freighter, and we were shipping off to uh, South America. So I threw in my card, I got the job as the waiter for the extra passengers on the ship. They told me, wait outside, the captain was coming right over in a taxi cab to take me to the Coast Guard station where I would sign articles and then I'd get on the ship and I'd be off. So I got outside, met the captain, got in a taxi cab, we went down and signed the articles on. When you sign articles, you can't leave the ship until you come back to New York. That's part of the agreement you make and they make with you is that they'll employ you for that amount of time. So we get down to the ship and uh, we're at the dock and I run over to a pay phone, I call up my parents, and I say, so I call my parents, ask them to bring in my suitcase. I was very lucky. My father was home. They had the time. They ran my suitcase in. And I went up to my uh, room, as I would call it, but now when you're on the ship, they're very important that you use ship language. So I had to go to my forecastle. So I went over to the room they assigned me to, 
and I walk in and I meet my Boxel mates, three guys, all black men, 40s and 50s. I was a 20-year-old white guy. It was quite an education on that trip. It was not what I had intended to do or even pictured I was going to be doing when I left that morning. So they told me how to get ready to put on the steward's uniform and how to get ready to serve the uh, lunch. I thought we would be out at sea by then. I thought that would be good because if I mess up, at least I'll still be on the ship. But this, the ship got delayed. We were waiting for some cargo and we missed our uh, tide. So I served my first lunch to the passengers that afternoon. Thank goodness I didn't drop too many things and we were off. That evening came, we were still in the dock. I again had to serve the meal and I had to learn how to clean up the dining room and get everything ship shape as it were. And I wanted to stay up to see us leave from Manhattan, but we kept getting delayed and delayed. And I finally fell asleep. I remember waking up in the morning, one of the stewards telling me, all right, we're about 150 miles out at sea. We're heading south. And we, our next stop is in five days or six days, I think it was, before we hit Trinidad. So that was my introduction. Like I say, I wasn't thinking about the questions, who am I, where do I come from, what is life all about? I was in the midst of living it, and living it quite excitingly, realizing I was off on an adventure, and I had no idea how it was going to end, or what was going to happen, or what was going to go on. But I was excited to be in it. And that was the beginning of my trip, like I said, when I was 20 years old. So I became fairly friendly now with the crew as we sailed along. But I was still the youngest guy on the ship, and they liked to tease me once in a while. I had stood watch with a number of the guys every evening up at the bow of the ship. The very front of the ship, they'd always have one guy stationed. He was a lookout. And there was a phone there that he would call up to the bridge to tell them what he was seeing and what it looked like in front of the ship. I found out after the cruise that most of the time you're not allowed to send another person up there, at least they get distracted. But they gave me a little leeway here because they were able to tell them when I went up, they stood with the guys on their watch looking out at the sea. We both looked out. We talked, but we both kept our eyes open to see what was out there. One night, they were out there, we saw these little lights in the distance. And what they were were fishermen out in what were called jangadas off the coast of Brazil. A jangada is made out of basil wood, and it couldn't be more than 30 feet long and maybe seven or eight feet wide. And three or four fishermen would be on each boat, and they'd be out in the middle of the ocean at this point almost, trying to catch fish. When they saw a big freighter coming towards them, they'd light little lamps and hang the lamps up 
on where the sail mast was. And then we'd spot him, you'd call up to the captain, he'd spot him, and then they'd try to steer the ship so that we wouldn't run any of them around. That was quite an exciting moment to realize how these people not only had to be fishing, but had to keep their eyes open by these ships that are bearing down on them. We also got to, well, I also got to know a lot about the stars. They were great. All the sailors really knew the uh, stars, where they were, what formations they had. And it was just unbelievable to me to learn about the constellations, both in the north and then when we went over the equator, totally different stars in the southern hemisphere, which absolutely blew my mind. One of the things, though, they tried to do to me on the ship was they told me that since it was my first time going over the equator, they were going to throw me overboard, tie a rope around my uh, chest and throw me over and drag me the length of the ship and then haul me back on as we went over the equator. I was pretty petrified by that idea because we had seen sharks following the ship for a number of days. And I couldn't picture getting in the water and not getting killed by a shark. So the guys told me, well, if I went to the chief mate, he was the only one that could stop this from happening. And if I asked him real nice, maybe he'd decide not to do it to me. So I waited a whole day and petrified and nervous about it. I, didn't, I, couldn't, I wasn't sure they weren't kidding or they were kidding or what. Finally decided to see the chief mate. Now, the chief mate is a guy just under the captain. So I had to go up and make an appointment to see him. So I told him what I was there for, and he just burst out laughing. He says, they're really messing with you, young fella, as they all call me. Don't get nervous about it. We're not going to throw you overboard. Nothing like that's going to happen. Well, as I said, I was learning a lot, and we hadn't even hit our first port in Trinidad yet. So it was quite an exciting time. Before I tell you some more sea stories, as we call them, I want to tell you about something else that was very exciting to me. This was an idea I found out much, much later. In fact, just a few years later, uh, not a few years later, but a few years from now, when I came across this uh, description of the Big Bang Theory. Fred Hoyle tries to answer the question, in one sense, where do you come from? Where does the universe come from? Where does all of us come from? Where is the beginning of everything? And he says this in one of his books. In the beginning, there was a single geometrical point containing all space, time, matter, and energy. That point did not sit in space, it was space. There was no inside, no outside. Then it happened. The point exploded and the universe began to expand. The universe had a temperature of 100 billion degrees at this point and, so, and was so dense that a single teaspoon of cosmic matter would weigh more than a thousand tons. At one one-hundredth of a second, can you imagine that? 
at one one hundredth of a second after the Big Bang explodes. The entire universe was about the size of our solar system. It was a universe per pervaded by dense primordial gas, ultra-smooth, ultra-hot seas of protons and neurons and other subatomic particles. And this deep soup of photons, which are quantum particles of light, mixed easily with matter. As the cosmic click ticked off, the instant expansion continued to stretch out into space. And with it, the particle proton C thinned and cooled. Protons and neurons collided and combined to form nuclei of light elements such as helium and lithium. This cosmic nuclear furnace stopped three minutes after the Big Bang, when the universe dropped below the temperature and densities at which nuclear reaction can be sustained. At this point, all creation was just a mixture of protons and neutrons and electrons and light nuclei. After 300,000 years, though, of expansion and cooling, negatively charged electrons were moving slowly enough to get caught up by positively charged protons. Each created and got captured a new atom of hydrogen. Once the process started, the universe quickly made the transition from a mix of free protons and electrons to a vast gas of electrically neutral atomic hydrogen. As the eons passed, a vast cosmic network of forms emerged from these humble beginnings. One by one, a hierarchy of cosmic shapes were born. Galaxies started to appear. The cluster of galaxies were swept together by their mutual gravitational pull. Gravity alone constructed a cosmic architecture that is filamentary and beautiful. The universe is composed of tremendous quantities of something else, something that emits no light. This dark matter constitutes the majority of mass in the universe. It is dark matter that sculptures the large-scale structures. The visible galaxies we see strewn across space are nothing more than strings of luminous flotsam drifting on an invisible sea of dark matter. What that all is trying to say is there was nothing and then there was something. And this something expanded to create what we know as our galaxies, as our cosmos, as this place that we inhabit. And this creation is still moving. It's still expanding. It's still growing. And this is where we come from. This is how we came to be. We came to be because of this expansion of the universe. If you want to take a look, try to go online, see a diagram of the Big Bang Theory. It's fascinating to look at. When I read that Big Bang Theory, it made me remember how much and how great it was when I was on the ship. Because when you were standing on the bow of the ship, you had no lights in front of you, no lights on either side of you. There was only a little tiny light way back in the the house of the ship. And when you looked out on the ocean, you could see all these stars and planets and stars touching the water and glimmering across the water. It just blew your mind how 
vast and great this universe was. And I was only seeing a tiny little bit of it, but it made me so aware how vast it was and how great it was. And when I read this idea of the Big Bang Theory, it made me realize what a small little part of the galaxy we are in, as it's called this little blue marble floating around in this huge galaxy that's still expanding, that the universe is still going out and still recreating itself. And that all of us that are in this world, that are in are on the earth, are made up of all this material that happened from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of when the world broke into beingness. And this really has influenced the way I looked at things. And who are we? Where do we come from? When we went ashore after a couple of weeks on the ship, I went ashore with my shipmates, black guys and Chinese guys and Latino guys, we all went ashore together. And it was a great unity. You felt very connected to all the guys on the ship because of the time you had just spent together, working together in a very small, uh, confined area, and realizing when you were out in the ocean, how small you must have seen. We didn't see any ships for a, a long time when we were traveling. And the ocean is so vast. Every day you be traveling, traveling, you see water, 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 every direction. It made you realize how small you were and how yet great you are. One of the things is that the human beings, we are made of stardust. We are made from that explosion that happened 13 billion years ago. We are made from the stuff that is in that explosion. I remember reading one time earlier in my life that we were made of 60% uh, of us was made of water. And I thought, that's really crazy, you know, that my body is 60% water. And now, when I had read this part about the Big Bang and realized that I'm composed of what is called stardust, humans consist of 65% oxygen. 18.5% carbon, 9.5% hydrogen, 3.2% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1.9% phosphorus, 0.4% potassium, 3.3% sulfur, 0.2% sodium, and 0.2% magnesium. It's an incredible idea that our bodies are made up of all of this material that comes from the Big Bang of stars and planets that came and went, have died and existed, and that have come down to us and have made us who we are today. So the universe started 13.8 billion years ago. That is quite a number to imagine. And it's supposed to last for a couple billion years more. So us immediately, we don't have any big problems we have to worry about there. The beginning of the universe is unknown, except in the beginning there was energy. Einstein came out with an idea, with a theory, 
and it was called E equals MC squared. Energy equals mass times the speed of light to the second uh, dimension. When you understand energy becomes matter and matter can be turned into energy. And that's what we are, matter becoming energy and energy becoming matter and starting over again. Even as this uh, transition keeps going, this movement of the universe growing and developing. One of the most interesting things I found about that was that land animals have only existed for 530 million years ago. That's when they showed up. The universe is 13.8 billion. Animals on this world only showed up 530 million years ago. And they've developed. And one of their developments we all love to talk about is the dinosaurs. And dinosaurs are great. We have a great imagination of dinosaurs. We love movies about dinosaurs. My little grandchildren love to play with dinosaurs. And we get very excited by them. But if these dinosaurs lasted on the world, we probably never would have been here. We never would have been able to compete with them. So we're very lucky that 66 million years ago, a meteorite struck the Yucatan Peninsula and it's what wiped out the dinosaurs. That was 66 million years ago. Now man is even much younger than that. Homo sapiens don't really come into the evolutionary story until 4 million years ago. We're relatively new. 530 million years ago, animals. 4 million years ago, our ancestors moved from trees to ground, from upright and two-legged, and we started to walk upon the earth. Homos started to develop. Homo Neanderthals in Europe, Homo erectus in Asia, Homo sapiens in Africa. The group that we trace ourselves back to is what are called Homo sapiens. The modern human physique probably first appeared in Africa only 150,000 years ago. And then this development spread across the world. And that's who we were. When we went ashore to party with my guys on the ship, we were all homo sapiens. We were ready to party. We were together. And we were only one race. There was not a Chinese man, a black man. We were all members of the crew. We were members of the Mormac Isle. We were guys who were trying to live our life and have some fun. And that is the incredible thing of who are you? You are a descendant of all of this, the universe and humanity. Tune in next week and I'll try to talk a little bit more about where we're heading in this idea. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at pod the number four, Peter, at gmail.com. That's pod4peter at gmail.com. I miss not being able to talk to people because when I, I've been a teacher for about 37 years and I love to be able to interchange and have dialogue with the people I'm trying to teach some ideas to. So one way that you can get in touch with me is to try to email me. 
I hope you enjoyed this first recording and I await some of your responses. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye.